Yes, Mr. President, COVID is real. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the Executive Director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, Communications Director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week, we had a, an event with uh, former Senator Tom Harkin about why health care is on the ballot. We also hear from a couple of state representatives supporting labor unions as September was Labor Union Appreciation Month. Uh, but first, we start off with what made headlines this past week. And Ivy, we're recording on Friday, um, a little afternoon, and the big news, uh, uh, I, I, we keep saying this every week, but the big news of the day, big news of the week that I don't think will be topped during this election season is that President Trump and the First Lady both had a positive uh, COVID uh, diagnosis, positive COVID test. So they both have COVID. Um, what is your reaction to this news? I mean, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, what did you expect? But I think it's still shocking when the president mm -hmm. gets COVID. And it's, I mean, it's obviously very serious, but I do hope it's a wake up call to Trump and a lot of his uh, supporters who might have not taken it seriously. I mean, even the other night on the debate when Trump made fun of Biden for wearing a mask. Right. Um, I think now it's clear that, you know, this isn't a joke. So I don't know. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I just, it's like, it, it, I think it was similar. Uh, similarly, I thought like, I mean, the president gets tested, I believe every day or very regularly. He's around, you know, he has, in, in theory, he should have the best doctors, the best medical team um in the world and if he can get this i mean any of us can get this so we i mean i do wish i do hope that they like recover quickly this is not a long-term serious thing um but everybody can get this disease yeah so i mean call it a wake-up call like you said call it an opportunity to you know recalibrate our response to this pandemic which has killed over two hundred thousand people I mean, but whatever you want to call it, like we need to take this seriously. So I hope he does that. The other thing I will say is that he's in court right now still to take away the Affordable Care Act, which would mean people with pre-existing conditions, including millions of people with COVID, would get discriminated against because of that. He's now one of them. The First Lady is now one of them. I hope, I don't think anything's going to change with that, but... I would hope that he would take a good hard look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? I mean, how can I stand up and take away somebody's health care when I need it more, you know, just as much as anybody? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. But uh, but sometimes when somebody has a personal experience like that, you know, things can change. So um yeah, I, 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 it's just, it's just yet another shocking and surprising story for 2019, though. Um, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, while I hope that he changes his mind on the ACA lawsuit, I think he has a lot more resources than a lot of people who depend on the ACA. That's so. true. That's true. We'll yeah, see. he's not going to be here. I mean, yeah. if, if, if an insurance company decides to charge him, a, you know, 1500 bucks a month instead of 100 whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, um, 
yeah, he's he's probably not going to be hurt. So, um, so uh, in more news this week, the Ernst and Greenfield debate was on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of topics. Um, and I think that a lot of people thought that it was uh, quite... So a lot of people said it was quite combative, but I mean, I didn't see how it wasn't going to be. I mean, someone has to stand up against Ernst and like when she's lying to Iowans and things like that, it's not going to be pretty. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty much how I expected. Just the thing that really struck me was, you know, Journey Ernst saying that she wants all options open on Social Security. Um, So that was concerning because we know that she's talked about privatizing Social Security behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. but... Now it's just even more so clear that she clearly does not care. Yeah, I I think that was that was one of the bigger surprises. Um, but I think, I mean, yeah, I but I generally I I just agree with you. Like, I don't think this was going to be some like kumbaya moment here. I mean, like mm-hmm. they have very different opinions about things, and um and and I think um I was impressed that Greenfield did as did what she did. I mean, I, I don't know if this was an intentional thing from the Ernst campaign or from Ernst, Senator Ernst herself, but it seemed to me like she was trying to poke and prod and get under Teresa Greenfield's skin, um, and try and provoke a reaction, um, which then could have been taken, you know, probably potentially out of context, but whatever, like, um, and and Greenfield did a good job of like keeping um, of at least maintaining at the same level as Senator Ernst did because you know I'm sh- I, I don't know I'm, I can only imagine I'm sure it's a difficult thing for both of them to sit there with someone that they disagree with so vehemently with their entire like political future on the line um, but I thought I thought uh, she did a good job of of hold of more than holding her own um, yeah. yeah and. And connecting with a personal story, I think those are the best moments for me. And I know we're talking about the presidential debate next, but like when Teresa Greenfield talks about her family and the loss of her husband and how she relied on Social Security, you know, um, uh, uh, benefits, like that's that's critical. I mean, and and but that really connects, you know, and and to a lesser extent, I mean, to a lesser extent for me because I just disagree with her. But I think this the stories about Joni Ernst working at Hardee's or wherever, um, they kind of like one upped each other. It was like Greenfield was like, "Oh, I worked at Pizza Hut." And Ernst was like, "Oh, I'm gonna want uh, mm-hmm. like I'll see your Pizza Hut and raise you, you know, uh, raise you a Hardee's." So, um, mm-hmm. but but I think that kind of thing, no matter which side you're on, like is an effective you know way to way to talk about these things. So that's why we always you know I know you, we, we always try and highlight personal stories too. So, um, but I thought it was. I thought it was a fine. I thought it was fine. I thought that, um, uh, yeah, it was. It was definitely interesting. I'll be very curious how they debate tomorrow. They're debating in tomorrow on October third. So, and I think they have one more after that, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so we'll see how that shakes out too. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think that it was really up to Teresa Greenfield to like introduce herself to Iowans because a lot of people Mm -hmm. just might not be familiar with how she speaks and things like that. So I think that she, you know, I think in the circumstances she did what she needed to do. And then there was the next night's debate, um, which I think, I don't know if it was Jake Tapper, someone on national media called it like Mm -hmm. a dumpster fire within a 
I don't know what. Just a total the, disaster. I have the quote. It was the a quote. hot mess okay. inside a dump. Yeah, a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. There you go. I mean, and it was, but it was like you have this. We don't have a. We don't have a president. We have a petulant little child up on stage. I mean, I have a. Th- we have a three-year-old. If if he behaved anything close to what the president did, I mean, he's in timeout and not. You know, and and. There's consequences, you know, like this, this president is, is as immature as it comes and, um, and yeah, like, and and refusing to listen to the debate moderator who's from Fox news, by the way, um, Mm -hmm. who couldn't control, who couldn't control the stage. Um, but, uh, I mean, like this, it was not an exchange of ideas, and it was really actually surprise. It was it was surprising to me because there was there is there are things that the president can argue and say and make the case for what he's done. I don't agree with them, but he could make them. He could make the case, and he didn't do it. He chose to just bully and um, belittle Joe Biden all night. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I completely agree. Like, debating with Chris Wallace, the moderator, he really should have just focused on Biden. But I think the biggest takeaway for me was just that he kind of had the same attitude that he did four years ago, which Mm -hmm. doesn't really work now because things are supposed to be, you know, dandy. He's been the president. He's made changes, whatever. His argument doesn't really, um, what's it called, resonate with people if it's all bad still because he's the one in power. So that was interesting. I also think... I mean, everyone was talking about how Trump wouldn't uh, condemn the white supremacists during the debate. That Not was, surprising. You Not know. surprising. Yeah. But go ahead. So, yeah. no, I agree. It wasn't surprising, but it was just, you know, disappointing still uh, that he was just like, stand back and stand by. Like, just do it now. So, yeah. yeah I mean, that's your chance if you're the president to say, like, to do something to try and unify the country, to act like a president. And he just didn't do it. Maybe he doesn't have it in him. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he thinks it's to his political advantage to not do it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he is, I mean, to extend the metaphor, like Donald Trump is like a human version of gasoline being poured on this fire right now, like when that is not what we need. Um, And his statement, Biden's statements and positions may not be perfect, but he is at least going to try and turn the temperature down on, on this just horrible hatred that's out there in this country right now. Um, and uh, Trump didn't create it. I mean, we've been a divided country for a long time, but the difference is we have a president now, and this was on display at the debate, we have a president who just wants to crank it up and make it even worse. And and that's just that's not okay. Um, and I hope people uh, will will um, see it that way. But um, that remains to be seen. Exactly. Um, more on this week. Um, the New York Times published that Trump only paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen on income taxes, and even less in other years. I mean, this is just insane. He's paying less than our teachers and a lot of hardworking Iowans. And I don't, what do you think about this, Matt? I mean, well, this was the big news until the debate and then COVID diagnosis. But mm-hmm. yes, um, I mean, this is, it's terrible. 
Um, but it's also like this is the law of the land too. Like, I mean, this is the this, but this is like the exact reason we need major changes in our tax policy. I mean, like if you put Trump's seven hundred fifty dollars together, seven hundred fifty dollars together, and Amazon and Facebook and I think Apple's tax bill together, you'd get seven hundred fifty dollars because they don't pay taxes. I mean. It's the it's the biggest joke in the world when they ask a Democratic candidate um, or someone who's more uh, like even more liberal, like, how are you going to pay for that? How are you going to pay for that? How are you going to pay for that? Well, when mm-hmm. you have a multimillionaire, potentially billionaire, depending on how much debt he actually has, paying $750 in taxes, that's how you pay for it. You have everybody pay their fair share, including all these companies, including Jeff Bezos, including you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Donald Trump and every other millionaire and billionaire in this country who's just fleecing people. And they're doing it legally because they've bought this, they've, they've bought uh, a Republican Congress and a Republican president to um, gut these tax laws. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, this one is disappointing, but completely not surprising. I mean, um, mm-hmm. and some of my favorite responses were like, He's the original defunder of the police. He's the, you know, like, because, I mean, if you're not paying taxes, you're not funding police. You're not funding fire departments. You're not funding clean water. You're not funding roads. You're not funding any of that. So, I mean, I'm paying, we're, you and I, Ivy, are paying more for this stuff than than the president. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's an, it's just ridiculous. Um, and, and, uh, um, I, I, I hope that that sticks with some of his, especially people like working families who support him um that that he doesn't give a damn about them he wants to look out for his his own family his own bottom line yeah exactly i mean he uses the excuse that you know this is just how the laws are written so he can do what he wants but i think as the president he has to understand that there's such economic inequality. Instead of taking this approach, he should just be advocating. Obviously, you will. But you should be advocating for better tax laws because, I mean, during, even during COVID, the rich are getting richer and the poor are, like, staying the same mm-hmm. and getting poorer. It's just very disappointing. Yep. We'll see if it resonates with voters. Who knows? Up next, we had a great discussion and event with uh, retired Senator uh, Tom Harkin. This week on the Your Health, Your Vote uh, virtual bus tour um, sponsored by Protect Our Care. And um, and Senator Harkin laid out some of the history behind the ACA, the importance of keeping it. We also spoke with really two great um, nurses, um, Ann Rhodes and, and Jane Hawks, who talked about their experience with the law, too, and their belief that it should be protected. Um, so here is some of the audio from some of the sound from that event. The goal was very simple of the Affordable Care Act, that every American, regardless of income or health status or zip code, would have access to affordable, dependable, quality health care. Well, when I brought this floor, this bill to the floor of the Senate, I gave a speech. I, I, I referred to it as a starter home. In fact, a lot of the press picked up on that at the time, it became quite a popular phrase around uh, 2009, 2010, 2011. I, I deemed it that because I knew it wasn't complete. There were other things that needed to be done, but we had to get a start. 
and that we would add on to this home, add the rooms and different things onto it as time progressed. Um, so I referred to it as a starter home, but, our, but basically we delivered on our basic goal. 23 million Americans now covered. And as you mentioned, 227,000 Iowans. Insurance companies cannot deny or charge more because of any pre-existing conditions such as diabetes or disability. No co-pays or deductibles for preventative measures such as your annual checkups. Children can stay under family policy until they're age 26 so they get through school or early work experience. And I might just add this provision that we put in on pre-existing conditions is gonna be even more important coming out of COVID-19. Uh, we have learned, at least I have from CDC and others that, that uh, even young people who've gotten COVID-19 and recovered may have some lasting health effects such as lung scarring, some heart problems, maybe some autoimmune uh, deficiencies going forward. If we lose the Affordable Care Act, they will then be subject to higher insurance premiums or maybe even a denial of health insurance in the future. So again, so, so important that we don't allow the Affordable Care Act to be done away with. Uh, if, if, if President Trump is successful, all of this is gonna go away. And quite frankly, we can't permit that to happen. So while I've said recently that Trump and Biden may be the names on the ballot, what's really on the ballot is healthcare and the future of healthcare for all Americans. Now there was one, I just wanna mention one thing, there was one room, if you might take my analogy a step further, that we wanted to add on to this starter home and that was something called a public option. Now, again, because of the way we had to craft the legislation and get it through, uh, we couldn't get it on. But it was always our goal that at some point we would have a public option. So important, for example, for people in Iowa who live in rural areas who are in, uh, in the individual insurance market, who pay through the nose exorbitant rates for less than actually good coverage, uh, but they have no other place to turn to. If we had a public option, they would have some competitive edge then. They could go somewhere else to get their health coverage. So important for people in Iowa, especially in small towns, farmers, rural communities. Well, Joe Biden has committed himself as president that he will work with Congress to get that public option, option put on the Affordable Care Act. So vitally important. So that's why it's so important that Biden is our next president and why we, have a why we need a Democratic Senate that will help him put that additional room onto the Affordable Care Act. This week's hot takes, we're going to quickly give our uh, hot takes on the hot topics of the week and just our opinions on everything that's happened. So the first hot topic is basically it was released this, basically, I think it was yesterday. Was yep. it that recent? Yep. It just feels like For forever ago because everything that's happened. Yep. But uh, Flotus uh, said, oh, quote, oh, what about the children that they were separated? Give me a, give me a f effing break. Um, end quote. So my hot take on this is, you know, what is she thinking? Even in, just in private saying that it's completely like horrible to not really care that much about the children that were separated. It doesn't matter where the policy originated from. It's still children separated from family. So I don't think that was the first thing to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, what what the what in the world? I mean, I know this is not nearly. I don't want to conflate these two or say they're of equal importance, but she also talked about hating Christmas and the Christmas decorations at the White House. And I wanted to mm-hmm. say I love Christmas, so I and I love putting up lights and decorating and and having all that fun uh, fun time. So I disagree with the First Lady respectfully about that. Oh, that was the craziest thing to happen this week, the Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Up next is that after the Trump after the Trumps said that they were uh, positively diagnosed with COVID, there has been some chatter online and some from, from some folks that he is lying about this or somehow this is a is a uh, fake. Um, I, there's no way that's possible. That's my hot take. Get just get it together, folks. He has COVID. I mean, that doesn't mean that he is now somehow this perfectly honest human being he is not but there is no way that they that there's a some conspiracy about this so he i mean the president the first lady have covid hope hicks has covid ronna uh um uh the, the national chairwoman of the gop has covid um uh so like oh mike lee um senator mike lee has covid so this is real. This is happening. Um, let it sink in. <laughs> That's my hot take. Ivy, do you have anything to add exactly. to that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that people were genuinely thinking this. And I don't blame them because Trump has a reputation of lying. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think he has COVID and everything. But it's just he has such a reputation of um, misleading people about the COVID but coronavirus, and especially because it's so close to the election. I understand why people are thinking these things, but yeah, I just, he probably, he has it, but it's just kind of interesting to see everyone's take. That's just what I'll say. No, I get it. I mean, I get, I mean, he's, dude's a liar, straight up. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no question about it, but I like, you just, there's no way to fake this. And the stories that are coming out, the leaks that are coming out about this, where they like, Mm -hmm. they knew that Hope Hicks had it, but they still traveled and did all these fundraisers. So, and Trump was like lethargic and falling asleep on Air Force One. All this is reportedly like, so we don't, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is all coming out quick and fast right now. It's still Friday afternoon. So we're like 12 hours into this story, but there's no way that that all that stuff is fabricated. So anyway, I, I, I think people are more prone this time of year to be believing some nonsense. So, um, it's real folks. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And lastly, uh, for pop culture, SNL is coming back this weekend with Jim Carrey as Joe Biden, which may be confusing to some viewers as his usual acting style in movies like Liar Liar and Dumb and Dumber would seem better suited to a different candidate. Very true. Insert the <laughs> laugh track here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. It's true. Uh, and I'm excited to watch because, you know, it's uh, going to like... So excited. SNL is just even... Even when they roast your candidate or the candidate that you support, like mm-hmm. it's just a much needed piece of, of of levity in all this. So I wonder what it's like trying to do this show right now, just because every five seconds something new is coming out, and I yeah. just wonder how they're going to cover it all. Or what I mean, cover. they've got to cover the COVID piece. I mean, in some way, shape, or form, because like they had, mm-hmm. they'll have a full day here to do it, you know, so um, or to put something together. 
Finally, before we round out this week's episode, this month, this past month of September was Labor Union Appreciation Month, where Progress Iowa and uh, many other groups and elected officials around the state promote it. Um, and we center it around thankaunion.com, the Thank a Union hashtag, just to lift up the great work that unions do to stand up for working families, even if they're not in a union. Everybody benefits from the work that labor unions do. So a couple of, of really great state representatives spoke out about that. So you're going to hear first from uh, Representative Jennifer Confirst and then, and then from Representative Molly Donahue, who were willing to come on and, and speak out about this and, and, and for their support of labor unions. Hi, this is State Representative Jennifer Confirst, and I'm just saying thank you to our brothers and sisters in labor. Um, the work that you do every day is so important, not just for you, not just for your families, but for families who don't have a voice. You're their voice. For families who don't yet work where you work, you're protecting them. You're helping to raise the quality of life here in Iowa. You're helping to keep workers safe, and you're helping to make sure that workers have a voice in this process. Thank you for all you do. Keep up the great work, and I'm proud to be in your corner. If you have enjoyed having a 40-hour work week, thank a union. If you've enjoyed having weekends off, thank a union. If you've enjoyed any kind of safe environment, thank a union. If you enjoy sending your children to school rather than to work, thank a union. If you have a voice at the table when it comes to your salary and benefits, thank a union. The unions have fought for the working class people for years and years, and by doing so, they have helped raise minimum wages for those who are not even part of unions. They have helped raise the standards of the workplace for all people. Please support the unions and thank them. And lastly, we have our shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. Um, and also please send us recommendations to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM. So I'm gonna start off with this first shout out, Senator Tom Arkin, just for his great healthcare leadership and advocacy. He joined us on the event this week. I think his uh, statement, especially about the fact that on the ballot, it's not just Biden and Trump, it's really about our healthcare and the ACA. I thought that was really important. Yeah, do you wanna go into the next one, Matt? Yeah, totally. I mean, Harkin, that was such a great event. We had two really great events this week. Uh, on Monday, we had an event with the nuns on the bus, uh, Sister Simone Campbell from Network Lobby. Um, I mean, she is just like a breath of fresh air in our politics. Um, she, of course, is progressive, but she reminds us that uh, just the decency of everyone and the importance of of just of being respectful and like caring about each other. And that's really what most of progressive values is all about, um, whether it's taking care of each other for our health care, our schools, um, uh, equality, um, racial justice. It is about looking after our neighbors and our friends and our family and just like we would for our, uh, for ourselves. And um, so we had a great event with her, uh, State Auditor Rob Sand, and, and, and just about the importance of voting. And, and so that was wonderful, too. So we want to give a shout out to her for continuing her efforts uh, to uh, spread that positive, progressive message all across the country. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network. It would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Howenstein. 
For more information, visit potluck.fm. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week. Thank you.